Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the foolish Matt. Hello there. Uh, oh, Matt. Right. So we're doing our series wrap up today. Yes. Um, and I think we need to start by addressing something of a... I, 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 I hesitate to call it a schoolboy era because you've been doing this two years and I feel like you ought to have known what you were stepping into. Yeah. Um, would it be fair to say you made a bit of a boo-boo this week? I'm accepting no responsibility. <laughs> okay. Doctor Who fans are the problem. Are you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be diplomatic and say it's six or one half a dozen of the other in this situation. Okay. Um, so, well, let's, let's just get it out in the open, shall we? So, knowing that we were doing our wrap-up today, mm-hmm. um, I, I know I've picked up on the vibe that a lot of people really like Peter Capaldi. Yeah. So I put a message out on Reddit and the first two words in the title were spoiler free. Mm -hmm. What's so great about Peter Capaldi's run as the Doctor? I explicitly put, I'm watching this for the first time. Yeah. You know, I just want as spoiler free as possible. Mm -hmm. And of course, I've had spoilers. Okay, so before we go into what kind of spoilers you've had, uh, what I understand from your perspective, you were being as careful as possible, and like you, you know, you said, "Please do not spoil me," yeah. and people failed to read that, and that is on them. Yeah. However, I do think it's it, you are presenting a challenge to people by saying, "Tell me why you love this thing, but don't actually tell me any specific reasons why." No, I, I think like. Say, for example, there's, like, a really good scene that, Mm -hmm. you know, perhaps went down in history. Just say, oh, I like Capaldi's performance. Yeah. That's all you need. Like, I mean... For the most part, people were really, really helpful. Um, Should I tell you you what I've had spoiled? I think we need to, just for, for, you know for the sake of you know, honesty with our listeners, because I know part of the appeal of this show and, and any time anyone's doing a sort of unspoiled viewing of Doctor Who, people like to vicariously enjoy the, the surprise again through fresh yeah. eyes. Um, so so I, I haven't even screenshotted who it's from. Um, yeah, it's all right. We don't I, need to I, name names. I pretty names. much it's deleted the comments yeah. as soon as I read it. But yeah. one person said, you know, uh, he has fantastic interactions with each of his companions, so straight away yeah. I know that Clara's not around forever. Either that, or maybe someone else gets on board the TARDIS, or you know, th- there are different ways to interpret that. Yeah, know. but but uh, we know we know it's not just going to be the Twelfth uh, Doctor and Clara show yeah, exclusively. Exactly. You know, like yeah. Eccleston had Rose for the duration of his run. Yeah, and you know, whilst like Mickey was around, yeah, I don't think he fell into that. But, but like, think, for example, Rory. You know, you definitely class Rory as a companion. Oh, but 100%. If someone had said to you, you know, the 11th Doctor has fantastic chemistry with his companions, you wouldn't necessarily automatically assume, oh, Amy's out and someone else is going to come in. You might think, well, maybe someone else joins Amy. Either way, but, you know, it's too much information for me. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then this, this is the big one. And yeah. I think if you'd have asked me what did I think was going to happen in Series 8, 
this would have been one of my predictions. Right, okay. Okay, because it's a character that hasn't been around much recently. Mm -hmm. But someone just openly put his interactions with the Master are brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's disappointing that you've been spoiled on that. So you know somewhere in Capaldi's run, Mm. we are going to be meeting the master again and you know i'm not going to kind of try and play coy and pretend that 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 isn't a thing you know that's been spoiled that's out there now yeah um what obviously you don't know is you know because the the master is a time lord can change faces the same way as a doctor so you know if 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 John Sim turns up, you know you'd know the second John Sim turns up. Anyway, yeah, but you know. I think even but, the tease. If there's going yeah. to be a poster in the background with uh, Mister Saxon on it, maybe yeah, not Mister Saxon, yeah. but if there's something in that vein, I'm I'm going to be assuming everything. Yeah, is going yeah, to be linked to the master. Yeah, you're just going to kind of have it in the back of your mind, aren't you? That that there's this possibility dangling. So, um, so if you so, are one of the people that drop those spoilers, stop listening now. You're not allowed to continue. <laughs> get out, get out your mum's basement, right? Put your Doctor Who toys away, and just uh, go learn to read. Mm. But, I, I, I'm genuinely quite annoyed. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I am as well. It would have been lovely for you to go in, not anticipating that, but. Like I say, we we are where we are with it at this point, and I think in in the in the spirit of honesty, it's better that our listeners are aware of that than yeah. we kind of try and pretend. And I, I want them to know I'm annoyed about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like pull back the curtain a bit. You've put on today's running order that this is called Matt's error, and I I 100% <laughs> don't accept any blame. You know, like I, I say, I think I, I I as this project, this pod has gone on. Yeah. I've enjoyed avoiding avoiding spoilers. Yeah, because the I, show I, I, can twist and turn in surprising ways. Yeah, I mean, the whole premise of our pod is I've never watched it before. I'm learning as I go. Yeah. And, you know, to have some illiterate arsehole come out the woodwork. <sighs> you know, but again, again, this is, this, this is Reddit. This is the internet, you know. Right. Well, You're opening the doorway to a to a you know a vault full of morons. So, so let's turn a negative into a positive. Okay then. Okay, because I know this is a season wrap up, mm-hmm. but what you might not know, David, is we've got another guest. Have we? Yeah. Oh, is this one of your your Twitter interactions? No, no, no. This is on Reddit, and don't worry, okay. it's not man who refuses to be wrong about Doctor Who on the internet. Right. Okay. Okay. This is the one good Doctor Who fan on the internet. <laughs> so I, I can't wait to get acquainted. I, I want you to come in the TARDIS with me, David, and go back yeah. in time a few weeks. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't know if you remember, but I said like maybe about a month, two months ago. Um, that I'd put a message on Reddit saying that I was looking for a classic episode of Doctor Who where the Doctor just fights loads of kangaroos. Yes. Um, well, actually, someone got in touch with me. Uh, it's Sydney yeah. Cider 88 on Reddit mm-hmm. who said, there's definitely no ruse in Who. I'll keep having to think of what it could be and I'll get back to you. 
Okay, which is such a nice sentiment, isn't it? That is a nice. That is a nice response. So I do I, feel. I, 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 I hope they're know. not expending too much energy trying to. Uh, I, I didn't know whether to just leave it. Yeah. And that would be that. But I felt quite guilty in case he did actually go out and research this. <laughs> yeah. So I sent a message saying, I need to come clean here. I posted this trying to prove to a friend that Doctor Who is so bonkers that you could create a ridiculous scenario and Doctor Who has probably done it. Yeah. And in brackets I put, I was really hoping there would be a kangaroo episode. <laughs> I then said, thank you for your helpful reply. If you're interested, this is all for our podcast, blah, blah, blah. Stay mm. safe, take care. And then he just sent one back saying, that's gold. I'm upset they haven't had any kangaroos yet. <laughs> uh, you know what? I am too. Yeah. So I said that I'd give a mention because that was like the one friendly, helpful response we've got. Yeah. No, that was great. That's uh, it's, it's nice when, It is nice when people like take things in the spirit in which they are intended, you know. Yeah. Um, um, do you want, do you want some yeah. medium, not not good, not bad Twitter interactions? Yeah, so go on. In, then. in terms of what makes Peter Capaldi's run so great, here's some uh-huh. feedback. Yeah. Uh, so Sir Richfield just says he's Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that, that, at, at this stage, I mean, uh, we'll get onto it later. Your your personal like uh, what you've experienced from Peter Capaldi in previously, but um, yeah. Uh, so, Clinging to the Cross has put quite a long stretch, mm-hmm. uh, but he says his character development is one of the best, mm-hmm. and he also says that it's like an amalgamation of all the Doctors that come before him, so when he does certain things, he'll do it in the style of a certain Doctor, so there's like a nostalgia element. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I, it's hard for me because I, I, I'm kind of biting my tongue because I have responses to em, em, everything being thrown out here, but I really don't want to start talking about my feelings on Peter Capaldi until we actually get to his episodes. Okay, so we'll so do I, one I'm more because yeah. this is an important one. Yeah. This is from uh, Jacobus X, my impossible ah. girl. <laughs> the puzzle <laughs> that I can't solve. He's, <laughs> you know, he's... Just a mystery to me. I don't know who this person is. Yeah. Uh, and they started by po- their post by saying that they are the impossible girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'd say that this area is a bit more grown up, more interesting character dynamics at play, uh, and Jenna Coleman gets to show what a great actor she is. Yeah, you've not been particularly impressed with her so far, have you? No. So I just replied to Jacobus just saying, Who are you, you beautiful enigma? <laughs> No, so I'm excited to see maybe a little bit more from Clara. Yes, that would that would I think. Um, we're we're going to again. I that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about more in depth later. Your feelings on Clara so far, and mm-hmm. what your hopes are for that, and you know, going forwards. Um, so we will get into that. I've got a whole raft of questions like I can normally do that I want to rattle through. Um, before we do that, though. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to mention, uh, sort of uh, picking up from a couple of things from last week. Uh, firstly, that TV show I couldn't remember the name of, it's Fightbox. See, I, I thought it was Bamzuki. I've been watching yeah. a lot of Bamzuki this week. Yeah, um, I, I, I'd i never heard of Bamzuki, but I was reading up on it, and, I, and it must be a direct descendant. It came out the following year. Yeah. Um, I Fightbox was later than I thought it was. 
which is kind of embarrassing because I I had vivid memories of watching it in sort of like the late nineties, sort of pre millennium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was apparently from two thousand and three, and it was originally commissioned for BBC Three. So that means I would have been in my late teens. Yeah, I'd when it was 18. on. Yeah, and I, I would have been seventeen. So so. Yeah, that's slightly embarrassing to think that I was watching that. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, so, whilst it's confession time, like yeah. whilst we're telling the silence all our secrets, yes. um, I don't know whether you've noticed, but my voice is pretty gruff this week, so I'm just mm. apologising for that up front. Uh, I had some pretty heavy dental work done this week. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, I fell pretty unwell. So I'm on the mend. I'm fine. It's not COVID. Um, I'm just a bit croaky. And actually, whilst we're on, I'll apologise for last week. I listened back to last week's show. Yeah. I I just sounded so miserable. (laughs) Did you? I didn't know. Even when I was trying to sell you on the idea of some podcasts, I was like going, yeah, do you want to do one on Bertha or Arthur the Yard? I think think it's just because we were were still recovering from Day of the Doctor. Um... It's kind of it's nice to have a breather, isn't it? At last, yeah. I will say it is nice to have a little breather. Um, so one other non non Doctor Who related thing I wanted to get out of the way. We one of the ones that you mentioned was, as you say, Bertha. Um, so I tried a little absorbal off on a bit of Bertha this Did he week. Love it? Um, I wouldn't say he loves it yet, but he's certainly intrigued. I, I I don't know if I've mentioned this on podcast or not, but he is obsessed with robots. Really? Um, yeah, like from from. The age of about about fourteen months, I think thirteen fourteen months, he just suddenly started developing this fascination with robots, and it is oh, uh, showing no signs from. of abating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think the trigger was um, we've got an old coffee table book of um, like f- glossy photographs of uh, Japanese toy robots, like classic ones, um, and he found that one day, and just. It, we still could barely get through a day without leafing through it at least once with him. So, uh, so, but, but I thought Bertha, you know, not exactly a robot, but sort of in that wheelhouse, isn't yeah. it? Do you find yourself making a cup of tea singing the song? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a proper, it, it's a banger, isn't it? Yeah. The, the Bertha theme tune. If our listeners haven't heard it, do yeah, that's worth a minute of your time on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, if you're like one of our American listeners, you won't have a ruddy clue what's going on there. (laughs) But you should. It's basically like a cartoon set in Thatcher's Britain. (laughs) It kind of is. You know, the mines are shut, get in the factories. Yeah, I I mean, it definitely was Thatcher's because it was like pre... It was mid-80s it was made, but in some ways it almost harkens back to like sort of mid to late 70s like i don't know yeah it's it, it feels very old school and it's like i was taking commenting to my partner it's astonishing to me that they can afford to employ as many people as they do in that factory because you know the episode we were watching the first one uh over the course of an entire working day they all, all bertha produces is 50 jigsaw puzzles and you know they're not going to retail for masses of value but there must be at least 10 employees in that factory Mm. so who knows how all their wages are being paid um but (laughs) 
Anyway, uh, that's probably enough Bertha chat for one episode. Um, Before we get on to the nitty gritty of Series 7, Hopes of Series 8, all of that stuff, uh, there's one other thing that I think we need to address up top, which is the Radio Times poll. Yes. The... uh, uh, David Tennant is officially the nation's favourite Doctor Who. Yes. Um, I guess this doesn't come as a surprise. It's it, It's been a while coming, but like uh, it was only a matter of time, I think, before someone finally dethroned Tom Baker. Mm. Uh, I, I am slightly astonished to see that um, Tom Baker's actually languishing in fifth place. Mm. But that... I, I think there's a bit of the recency effect here. I think the oh, people definitely. that are voting for this are a younger generation. Yeah. Because four of the top five are all new Who doctors. Yeah. The fifth is Tom Baker. Now, yeah. if you'd have said to me, go back and watch some classic Who, that's where I'm going. Yeah, absolutely. Then you've uh, got it's... William Hartnell, who's the first. So if yeah. you get down to the bottom, you've got like Davison and Baker and McCoy. Yeah who are sort of in that era where it's classic Who that isn't really all that classic. Yes, so, the sort of John Nathan Turner era. So, um, I, 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 I don't think that this is necessarily a valid test. I don't think it is either, particularly. You know, and, Apart from anything else, um, if, you're, if you tell, give people a list of all the doctors and say, you can pick just one. I don't know that that's a particularly fair test. I think it would have been nice to like maybe pick your top three and to mm. have like weighted rankings. Obviously, that is far more effort than anyone in a running a Radio Times poll is going to want to put into it. But I think you'd get a much more balanced and accurate response because I don't think people's opinions do exist in a vacuum like that. Yes, there are some people for whom Doctor Who is David Tennant and nothing else, but they're actually a, a minority yeah. of of viewers. Um, and I, I do think it's a shame that when, you know, turning it into a sort of popularity contest isn't necessarily a reflection of the quality of the stories of, of a given era, No, which no. is a shame. Um, interesting to see, uh, Paul McGann, like, uh, nestled in the middle there, like, uh, above Eccleston, above Pertwee. Yeah. I liked your your idea that he's like the connoisseur's doctor. Yeah, I think there is a an element of the fandom, the ones who who are particularly into big finished, because there's a, there's actually a small percentage of fans who basically for whom big finish trumps a lot of new who, like yeah. that is their continuity and their their primary source for Doctor Who content um, above whatever is currently being made on on television um and paul mcgann is undoubtedly like the big finish doctor more than any other yes they've, they've done work with several doctors but he is kind of your um you know he, big finish was his opportunity to finally actually show what his doctor can do yeah and he is bloody good in it let's not beat about the bush like he he is very you know, he fits into that role really well. And uh, when he's given good scripts, which he often is with Big Finish, it's it's uh, pr- produces pretty fantastic results. So I think people who claim that he's their favourite, I don't want to say 
they're being disingenuous or they're posing or anything, but it's it isn't that I feel like there's a little element of like, oh well I'm I'm a more serious fan than you because, you know, I've invested all this time and money and, and effort into being steeped in uh, Paul McGann's. I, I won't lie. When I've done yeah. my rankings, uh, Paul McGann's quite high up, but that's just mainly because I think the film's a bit silly. It's just fun, isn't it? It's just fun, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's impossible not to have a fun time with it. You won't necessarily think it's a good story, but uh, yeah, it's hard to completely hate that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we want. Uh, I, I sort of tasked you with, given, given this has happened, I was curious to see, now you've at least had a taste of every Doctor, what are your definitive, never to change, Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are your definitive Doctor Who rankings? Um, so I, I have ranked them, but I've I've almost put them into different tiers. Okay. Uh, so I don't necessarily have a list of 13 to 1. I've just got, like, who's right at the bottom, who's right at the top, who's pretty good. Yep, cool. Okay. So uh, should we start at the bottom and work our way up? Uh, why not? Okay, so in 13th suspense. place, it's Troughton. <sighs> You, you're already uh, goading the fandom with that one. No, yeah. like, based on what I've seen, what did we watch? That Tomb of the Cybermen. Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah, yeah. wasn't good. Yeah. But Trout wasn't, like, your biggest criticism of it. No, no. I think it was more just, like, didn't really necessarily enjoy that yeah adventure. yeah I, I i one of my missions is to try and turn you around on trout and i i'm already thinking about what trout story i'm gonna give you next to try and uh turn you around a bit like i i literally can't remember the plot of tomb of the cybermen i know there's a tomb with cybermen in it and they burst out through some like tissue paper yeah that's about it but i mean to be fair that's that's about all you need to know <laughs> right then ranked above him in the next little section. Yeah. I've got Pertwee and Davison. Yeah. Okay. Now, Pertwee, we watched The Demons, which... Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It was, you know, silly fun. But at the same it time, it was absolute madness. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like in time, if you watch more Pertwee, I think he's going to start sneaking up the rankings for you. I think you will like Pertwee a lot, and I think you just haven't seen enough or maybe the right stories. Mm. And um, Davison, we'll we we watched that one on the pirate ship, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And I think, if anything, I'm being a bit kind because I like Davison in All Creatures Great and Small. <laughs> <laughs> I think he could have moved down if it wasn't just for my own bias. Yeah, yeah. So then, above those two, I've got Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. Mm. Because... I'm surprised McCoy's so high for you. Because when I've been watching those Clever Dick films... Yeah. He comes across as a really nice guy. I just didn't like his interpretation of the Doctor. And whilst I sort of slated him and I slated Ace, that Dalek episode we watched was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know... All right. I think it's easy to pick fun, but actually, of the stories I've watched, you know, I can't honestly say Davison on a pirate ship is better than that Dalek story. Yeah, fair enough. 
you know, or the demons is be- a better story than that one. Yeah. Colin Baker's the opposite. Whereas yeah. I know everyone hates that story, the twin dilemma. Mm-hmm. First of all, I quite liked it. I thought, I thought, I thought it was okay. Yeah. And, you know, and everyone just hates him because he strangled Perry. But, you know, I'm not saying you should lay your hands on a woman, but the rest yeah. of his performance was pretty solid for me. Uh, yeah, I really, I, I really like Colin Baker's performance. I'm watching a lot of Colin Baker at the moment, actually, in my spare time. Um, I've just been uh, watching... Uh, basically, I've been sort of filling in the gaps. But I, I've I've got a weird way with Colin Baker where I've watched a lot of his later stuff, The Trial of a Time Lord season. I've watched all of that, but I've not watched a lot of his first season. So that's what I've been watching recently. And I'm currently on uh, Vengeance on Varos. Uh, and he's brilliant in it. It's a really good story, yeah. So I think that might be the one we watch next for, um, for Colin Baker. Mm-hmm. I think he'll have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, all right. So, so moving, above moving up the ranks, Colin Baker and McCoy in yeah. a little tier just on his own is Hartnell. Yeah, the uh, original. Again, I think I've maybe ranked him higher than I probably would have if I hadn't seen an adventure in space and time. Yeah, it really helps to contextualise him and his yeah. performance. But I must say, for next week, I've watched the first episode of the first Doctor. Yeah, the tenth planet. Yeah, yeah, that's and the story we're going to be watching next week. Yeah. I like him a lot more in that than I did when we watched the journey. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a bit later in his run. Mm. And not... just like in an adventure in space and time, he seems to have chilled a bit. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I'm up for that. Uh, above them, in a little tier, I've got McGann and Tom Baker. Yeah, because again. The Tom Baker adventure we watched, I don't think I'd say it was one of my favourites. Yeah, it didn't click with you, did it? No, but I'm I'm intrigued to see more of him. Mm. Almost in the same way I feel about Capaldi, is, you know, if so many people rank it so highly, there must be something there that I just haven't seen yet. Yeah. I'll t- shall I tell you what I've been toying with with Tom Baker? Because it's... It's exhausting trying to pick a, t- a single Tom Baker story every time, you know, because obviously the rhythm has been we get to the end of a series or an actual breaking point in a story, series and I'll throw in a classic story. It's so hard when you get to Tom Baker to know where to start. And there's actually there's a couple that for various reasons that I've, I've been eyeing up that I want to do with you before we get to certain other stuff in Modern Who. And it's made me wonder, would you be up? And I don't think I've asked you this yet off podcast, so no pressure in front of all our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, how would you feel like doing a, uh, like a maybe like a month long, like a, a, a Tom Baker month or something, like doing four Tom Baker stories and really getting steeped in his era a bit more? Because there's just so much of it, you know. No, but if each adventure's... Four twenty-five minute episodes. It is. It's a lot. That, I'm not like, saying it's not. <laughs> I, I'm not saying no, but it's it's a big ask. I know. Yeah, maybe um, this is the just... sort of thing we should have discussed off pod, David. Maybe, yeah, I... you know, you shouldn't put me on the spot <laughs> to discuss logistics. I just so I just I just want I want you to love Doctor Who, Matt. I just want you to love Doctor Who. Um, Alright, so who have you got above Baker? Uh, then I've got two together I've got Hurt and Eccleston Right And with Hurt, I think I enjoyed 
my idea of what that was going to be more than I necessarily enjoyed the execution. Sure. Because I was expecting tough, hardened war doctor, and he just he's just like all the others, really, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I will say I've I've been listening because I've as you know I've been listening to the Big Finish War Doctor stories recently. Mm-hmm. I'm currently sort of halfway through the second box set. Um, don't if, if anyone who's interested in hearing sort of earlier adventures from the War Doctor, don't expect it to be a radical departure from what you see in the Day of the Doctor. Right. I I I don't know whether there was. Maybe there were whether that it was uh, any pressure from the BBC to 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 kind of keep the softer edges of the character, or 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 what it is. But like whilst whilst he's certainly in very difficult situations and forced to make difficult choices, you never get the sense that he's ruthless. Yeah, as it were. Like he's always agonizing over those tough choices in the same way you'd expect any incarnation of the Doctor to. Um, having said that, they are still very good stories, and his performance is brilliant. And this in the second box in particular, they, there's some mad shit going on, <laughs> some really mad shit. So I'm really enjoying them as stories, but I would just add that caveat that if you want the sort of battle hardened, gritty war doctor you're not necessarily going to get it from the big finish stuff unfortunately no and then um, with eccleston i i'm desperate to see a second series series sorry yeah the, the first series is there's a lot of world building and a lot of introducing law it has yeah it has so much to do to just and create a version of doctor who that is palatable to a modern audience and it only feels yeah. comfortable Towards the end of that series, definitely. Um, like you feel, yeah, you feel. I feel like the turning point for me is um, the empty child and Doctor dances. Mm. That's the point where we really we're in the zone. And yeah, I would just, I, I would love to have another series or two of that. And I'm really hopeful that that's the route that Big Finish go down. They just they they rope in Billy Piper. They get. Um, they get get uh, bu- 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 John Barrowman in for a couple of stories and mm-hmm. just give us more of that. I don't want anything more than that, really. Yeah. Right, above those, in second place, I've got Tennant. Yeah. Uh, he's just an all-round good egg, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I can see why people did vote for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And... Um, it cannot be overstated the extent to which David Tennant remains responsible for Doctor Who being as huge a phenomenon as it is mm. in in the current climate. Like that period is so fondly remembered by so many people who were kids at the time who are now adults. Well, that's um, it. It, it. Introducing their it's almost and... the second series I wanted from Eccleston. <laughs> yeah, know, I feel yeah. like Eccleston did a lot of paving the way, and Tennant just goes with it yeah absolutely yeah uh and then top of the tree matt smith yeah who now again do you think that's recency biased to an extent i I don't think so because if i went back to the start of his run yeah i i was not happy that tenant had left 
Yeah. I didn't really know anything about Matt Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, when I say Matt Smith, um, in I need to cam, sort of caveat that that yeah. it's Smith, Gillen, and Darville. Yeah, that's the sweet spot for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, like with Tennant, I didn't necessarily get on with Martha. Yeah, and you know. I wasn't that big a fan of Rose. I did like it when Donna came in. Um, Donna, for me, is the definitive tenant companion. Yeah, yeah. I, I love think, their dynamic. I, I think because it just made it fun. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with Smith, it was a real relationship, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Rather than a companion, so rather than a travelling buddy, it yeah. was a friend. Yeah. And that's the difference. And, and and that sort of sense of obligation that he has to Amy because of the, the nature of their first encounter. Mm. You know, and how he refers to her as, as, you know, the first face this face saw. You know, that the encounter left such a deep impression on him that he always kind of feels this, this duty towards her well-being. And I've always liked with Smith that his doctor interact far better with children than adults. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he's just got such a warmth and kindness and yeah. innocence to him. Yeah, it it's so it's so odd, isn't it? Because he has this kind of grandfatherly presence despite being, you know, quite a young bloke, you know, he's younger you know, we're older now than he was when he was playing the part of the Doctor. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know uh, what? We, we've kind of naturally segued into the the first question in my list of questions for you, which was just, how brilliant is Matt Smith? Fantastic. And I, just, I'll tell you who yeah. else deserves praise. Yeah. Is River Song. She, right, yes. I, I yeah. really liked that arc. You know, that story. And yeah. Did you? I was going to ask. Did you miss her in series seven? Because of course she's a key part of series five. She's she's basically what everything revolves around in series six. And in series seven, like which is a long series, she's only in two episodes. Mm. Did did you kind of did it well, seem like a noticeable absence to you? Well, yes and no, because uh, as we found out towards the end, yeah, you know she's so tightly linked. In with Amy and Rory, that I don't know. I didn't necessarily need any more River Song after that. Yeah, yeah. You know, she felt part of that storyline, and that sure. had been like the book had been closed. But of course, you know, she does still have a relationship with the Doctor that is independent of her relationship with her parents. Mm. Um, I, I, I missed, I missed her in. Time of the Doctor. Like I didn't know that fact about the fact that Tasha Len was supposed to be River. Well, I, I don't know whether that's fact. That's mainly speculation. Yeah, but it, it feels like you can certainly see why you'd come to that conclusion. And I think it would have made that final episode with Matt Smith more impactful and more meaningful to maybe kind of, cl- you know, put, put more of a definitive stamp on his doctor's time with River. Mm-hmm. But um, 
yeah. Having said that, there's so much else going on in series seven. Personally, I, I don't I don't miss her too much. Um, but I do wish she'd maybe been in better episodes than she was. Like the the episodes that she's in in series seven are not amongst my favorites. No, no. Um, so uh, okay, let's do let's do the usual thing. I like doing this um, sort of rounding up some of the new enemies, the new species that have been introduced into New Who over the course of the last series and see which ones you'd be up for returning. Okay. Now if I've made it a fairly short list. I'm not bothering with ones where I feel like there is just no potential, like the crooked man in Hyde or the time zombies in journey to the center of the TARDIS. Like they're not, they're almost not really that, you know, there's not enough there to really justify ever bringing them back. I don't think, mm-hmm. but these are ones that I think conceivably you could bring back. Yeah. So, uh, going chronologically, you've got the Carlas from um, uh, a town called Mercy. Do you? Oh, have, do you remember? No, no, definitely not. No, no, I don't. You want don't to think see I... poor man's Robocop? No, 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 no. But I don't, I'm not talking about the the, the 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 cyborg character necessarily, but just that race. You know, the they're they're a kind of war torn race who they, they were maybe did some dark with things. Face tattoos? No, no. No interest in that. We're done with them. Okay, what about the Shakri from Power of Three? Pest controllers of the universe, they're referred to as. Uh, we I... get about six lines of dialogue from Stephen Burkhoff. Yeah, they seem pretty one-dimensional, though. Like, But is that is that just because of the circumstances surrounding that episode? Yeah, but how many times are they going to try and eradicate like the human race? They could come up with some other harebrained scheme. No, not up for that. Yeah. All right. Great intelligence. Obviously a classic villain, but uh, new to new who. Well, I don't like Richard E. Grant. But... And the great intelligence was defeated. So if we saw it again, it would have to be in the past. Yeah. And it would have to be before Richard E. Grant as a little boy met them. So Which is possible. I'd be quite interested maybe seeing them in some sort of historical sense. Yeah. I feel like the Great Intelligence is such a ineffable being that even though he seemed to be defeated, there's no reason you couldn't wave your hands and, and just bring it back. Yeah. Um, in, in some new form. They do most of the time anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, what about the Ice Warriors? Another classic monster. Yeah. Like, how many times have we seen the bloody Cybermen? Just mix it up. Just make it yeah. the Ice Warriors. Yeah, Plus, we've yeah. only seen one. I want to see them en masse. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. And uh, finally, uh, and, uh, this this series, I think, I think there was a lot of nostalgia in the air with it being the 50th year and stuff. Um, so it, the, the other one I've got on the list is yet another classic monster, the Zygons. Yeah, I mean, I like this sort of shape-shifting plot. It's a good trope, isn't it? So long yeah. as you do something interesting with it. Yeah. You know, I would say it's better executed than when we saw the Autons in Rose. You know, where yeah. Mickey's in the restaurant, like, going, pizza, pizza. Yeah. You know, It was a mixed mixed bag, the Autons. There is some good... I, there are some scenes in that that I think are is good classic Auton stuff. You know, the stuff in the shopping centre. Yeah, uh, and, and that I, I I like those scenes, but yeah, I could do without plastic Mickey. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, 
on the subject of Amy and Rory, like it's it feels so long ago, but because like their their story wrapped up halfway through series seven, we've had so much happen since. But when's all when all is said and done, do you feel like Amy and Rory had a satisfying arc? Like that the conclusion of their story, did it feel like right? Did was it the right time yeah, for them to go? Because obviously the ending ties into the overarching idea that they're totally in love with one another, totally yeah. loyal to one another. So for them to get being back to the past, but sort of be okay with it as long as they've got each other. Yeah. I sort of like that. Yeah, I do think it's sweet. I I I wish I wish their last episode was better. Yeah. I I just think leave the fucking weeping angels alone. <laughs> yeah. 100% echo that. Yeah. I, d- I really don't need more weeping angels right now. Um So where do they rank as companions for you? Pretty high up for me. Um yeah. maybe have Wilf higher but that's just because of sentimentality. Yeah. Yeah, because like, it's f- so fascinating when you, if I don't know if you've ever listened back to your early Smith era episodes because you were so down on Amy for most of series five. Yeah, but she needed Rory. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I said all the way through that I didn't want another, you know, damsel in distress companion who, you know, has potential, some sort of romantic link to the Doctor. I liked the fact that they were a couple along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. It really it makes such a difference having Rory around. Yeah. Um. So, this series as well. One of the things that stands out to me is the first time that we really kind of get some recognisable faces for Unit. And whilst I think technically there is a there's some kind of uh, commanding officer who does pop up in a couple of Tenant Era ones, but it's. Yeah. I think maybe the Sontaran one and then uh There's the one in the Planet of the Dead. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, but it's not it doesn't feel like the show is committed to unit as an idea in the same way. No. Does that make sense? Yeah, but by throwing Kate Smith in there. Yeah. She's Kate's like Europe. the missing piece of the puzzle, isn't she? She ties it yeah. to classic unit. You know. Yeah. We know yeah, who it... she is and what she stands for and yeah, so I, are you you up for more unit in in future? Yeah, I think so. Episodes then, I think so. Yeah, if if they're the same as they were in like the fiftieth, I'd be up for that. Cool, cool. So, um, could you pinpoint like what would you say, if you had to say like what you think the sort of defining features of the Smith era are? What would you what would you say stands out to you? Like it could be just like a, the a tonally or certain yeah, characters. I or... don't know. I think, like I say, the relationship with the companions is good. Mm. He's sort of he's not as cold as Tennant could be. You know, he no when he wants to be. I mean, he did trap that girl in a mirror forever. Yeah, I was going to say he he ha- he has Smith has his moments of 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 darkness, but. I think it's easier to kind of gloss over it because the cuddliness feels more genuine. Yeah, that's it. You've you've got to think that that trapping 
the girl in the mirror at the end of Family yeah. of Blood. That also comes after how we've seen him grow old and live a beautiful, happy life. Yes. So there's yeah. like scenes of unbridled joy in amongst yeah. it all. Yeah. I feel like with, with, with Tennant, his... The, 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 there is when when he's sort of being silly though it almost feels like a, a facade like he's putting on a mask to try and kid himself hmm. whereas when Matt Smith pops a fez on that's genuine yeah. that's involuntary I, I buy that, into that yeah so I feel like that's the difference and, and, and I think in both cases that is a conscious choice on, on the part of the writers and the performers I don't think that that's not me kind of knocking Tenon. that's just me saying that I feel like you know Matt Smith's in a different emotional space to Tennant's doctor he's he's the one who's finally gotten over the the, the war the time war and, and kind of ready to move on mm. um, so yeah, I think also as well, his Doctor, this era is plays so much into, like, the myth of the Doctor. You know, the Doctor is almost a, a kind of a figure of folklore and legend. Yeah, once he deleted himself from history. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is can be done well. I think sometimes it feels almost overdone with, with Smith. Um but it's certainly, I would say, it's a kind of defining feature of this era. Um, what would you say, what would you, do you have like any major criticisms for this era as a whole? Anything that sort of stands out to you as uh, an issue? I don't know, like, as much as I praised it, I didn't like the suddenness of losing Amy and Rory Yeah. midway through the season. And probably also yeah. the suddenness of losing Smith at the end. I think it obviously. I don't like to spoil departures and things like that with you. When you're watching this show as it's being broadcast, if you f pay any attention whatsoever, you know when major characters are leaving, mm. because the show the, the the producers can't keep that kind of stuff under wraps. So they always put out a press release letting you know. So I knew when I first watched Time of the Doctor that it was Smith last episode, I knew that Angel's Take Manhattan was going to be the, the end point for Amy and Rory. But, mm. And I think it, it is even more jarring when you're kind of watching it week to week without a break, you know. Obviously, there was a big uh, gap between Angel's Take Manhattan and then Snowmen and then on into the rest of Series 7. It's, you know, that series was spread across two whole years. Yeah. Um but we've watched it in a much more compressed time frame. Mm. Um, yeah. Shall I tell you what? I don't want to harp on this too much, but I, I feel like I need to mention it because it, it does bother me. And I'm sure I've pointed it out on the episodes where it happens. One thing that really bugs me in the Smith era and definitely does take it down a peg for me is his occasional creepiness around female characters. Yeah, like when he kisses Jenny. Yeah, yeah, and when he when he refers to uh, Clara as an enigma wrapped in a mystery in a skirt that's a little too tight, and I'm just like, ugh. Because apart from anything else, he's otherwise such an asexual doctor mm. that I'm just like, where is that coming from? Because the way he acts around River, who he's ostensibly married to, it's it's like he's like he still doesn't really understand what kissing is for. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I don't know how you square that. It's just, uh, yeah, I could, I could do without those uh, moments. So thinking about the 50th anniversary, did that, like, and everything around that. So Night of the Doctor, Day of the Doctor, Adventure Space and Time. Did that feel like a good celebration to you of the show as a whole? Like, do you think it's deepened your fondness for Doctor Who at all? Um, I'd say so. Weirdly, the bit I enjoyed most was an adventure in space and time. Yeah. And that's not an episode of Doctor Who. That... No, it isn't. And also, it's, you know, it's celebrating an era you were not around for. Mm. Like, it's it's nostalgia about a thing you're not, you can't technically be nostalgic about. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's a magnificent thing. Yeah, uh, definitely enjoyed that. Um, Speaking for myself, I think it definitely was a bit of a turning point for me, you know, because I think I said before about like what a sort of, you know, the metaphor of the boiled frog, like you you put a a frog in cold water and slowly turn the heat up and it'll boil itself alive because it won't realise, like it it, it won't notice the temperature going up. Um, I kind of had that, experience with my doctor who fandom um and i think around the 50th was when the penny really dropped for me and i realized how deep into it i was and you know i was like oh man for someone who thinks they're a casual doctor who fan i do have a lot of doctor who merchandise and i do think about it an awful lot and you know and that's when i realized just just how deep i'd ended up into it um so from this point on was where I started to, I think, kind of embrace it a lot more rather than just it sort of being a part of my life that I hadn't really thought about actively, if that mm. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it kind of it, the, the, the 50th anniversary and the nostalgia surrounding it did kind of open my eyes to it a bit more. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is this isn't just a good TV show. This is like special in a way that no other TV show ever could be. Um, so yeah, it's it's I'm, it's been so nice to kind of relive that with you these uh, over these last few weeks. Mm. Um, it is such a sort of high point for for the show as a whole, I think. Um, so last couple of questions for you. Looking ahead. You know, the Capaldi era is almost upon us. Before we talk about Capaldi, what are your expectations and hopes for Clara? Now that we've kind of done and dust, we've done and dusted with Impossible Girl as a story arc, you know, that is explained now. And now we've got this character kind of hanging around and she needs to do something, presumably. Yeah, that, that's what I was going yeah. to say. I just want her to do something. Yeah. You know, she was like the focal point of the story, but at the same time, she was doing absolutely nothing. And then that story got wrapped up (laughs) so quickly and led into an even bigger story. Yes. That I I still feel that, like, you know, it's almost, like, unresolved. Yeah, I, I feel almost sorry for Jenna Coleman because... Whilst she's technically this pivotal character, she's not really had much of an opportunity to add much depth to her yet. Mm. Um, she's just sort of there. 
for a lot of series seven. Um, so yeah, it, it, it certainly would be nice to, to hope that, that there's more depth that can be brought to her as a character. Mm. Um, and so let, let's finally, let's talk about him. Uh, Peter Capaldi, like what, what do you, have you seen him in much before this? Uh, I'm aware of him. Like, like, have you watched, for example, The Thick of It? No. You've never watched The Thick of It? Oh, right. Because no. um, I think that was his most high-profile thing prior to doing yeah. Doctor Who. Like, um, in fact, the only thing I've really seen him in is the Pompeii episode of Doctor Who. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that is particularly a good showcase for his talents mm-hmm. as an actor. I think he did, you know, somebody offered it to him and he's... Because have I talked about the fact that he is a Doctor Who fan? Yeah, well, that came up when I put yeah. that post on Reddit. That yeah. like, people were saying he'd have done the role for free because he loves it so much. <laughs> I don't know that he would have done that because I think, you know, he's still a professional. Um, but certainly he has a lot of affection. Like he was genuinely, in his, in his childhood years and his teenage years, like he was involved in Doctor Who fandom. Mm -hmm. He was writing letters to the Radio Times and like doing drawings for fanzines and going on like trips to 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 like the BBC studios to watch it being made with other fans like like in sort of like informal fan group Mm -hmm. outings. In fact Um, I think I saw there's a letter he wrote to Doctor Who magazine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when he there's, was like there's age six. Yeah, yeah, there's. Uh, um, I think it was Radio Times. I don't think. I don't think Doctor Who magazine was being published then. Oh, but he definitely right. wrote a letter to the Radio Times about Doctor Who when he was yeah quite young, and it it was a huge huge part of his life. And he sort of talked about how when he was in his late teens and he was starting to get serious about acting and performing. He was like uh, playing in a in a punk band and stuff and he kind of wanted to shed that sort of geeky part of his life so he like he burnt a lot of his doctor who stuff and moved on and i think now with with the passing of time he regrets that a little bit Mm. and this was kind of an opportunity for him to reconnect with an early love and one of the things that really got him interested in acting and film and theater and you know everything to begin with there we go his letter says I love Doctor Who, and when I grow up, I want to be an actor so that I can help Doctor Who. And please, can you tell me, is there a Doctor Who fan club? From P. Capaldi, age six, Glasgow. That's that's so gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, it will be interesting to see, because, like, it's almost gone in in, uh, a pattern where Eccleston famously, you know, took it because he thought it would be an interesting challenge, something... It was an opportunity to him for him to stretch himself as an actor, and also he was, at the time, he was very friendly with Russell T Davis. He'd worked for him previously, and so he he said yes to it. Tennant famously was a fan, you know, and and what again has cited Doctor Who as one of the things that made him get into acting. Mm-hmm. Matt Smith, it was a job to him, I think a job that he loved doing, but you know he had no great. Affection, because he's kind of same generation as us. Yeah. Um, in that he didn't really grow up with Doctor Who. 
so um that's kind of understandable and yeah and now we've kind of got swung back around and we've got a we've got a f- fully accredited fan back in the role so before we jump into talking about season 8 so too yeah. much let, let's talk a little bit about season 7 okay and let's talk about your comment that you preferred season 7 to series 6 oh yes i did want to address this um so, so uh, the uh, the is it Jacob married to who? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So so Jacob married to who? Tweeted um, aimed at no one in particular. He claimed. <laughs> I, well, I don't know if it was actually aimed at you. I just thought I'd bring it to your attention. Oh, I think it was definitely aimed at me. But um, he he's done. He's crunched the numbers, mm-hmm. and he claims. Uh, number of really good to great stories per series, series six, nine, series seven, five. That seems drastically low to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I've done my own calculations and I'm not going to go through it in masses of detail, uh, but I will say that I'm excluding Day of the Doctor and Time of the Doctor. So we've got a sort of a balanced, we can compare like for like, same number of episodes. Um, you know, only one Christmas special to take into account. So my final uh, calculations, number of really good to great stories per series, series six, five, series seven, eight. Now, so there you go. Do, I'm not saying any more on the subject. Do you see the mistake you've made there? What is that? That even if we aggregate those scores, uh, series six still comes out as the winner? I mean... Sure, if you want to, but uh, fourteen but, to thirteen. Yeah, but but my but my opinion is, you know, doesn't change that I personally think there are only a handful of really good stories in series six. I think there are more there are more stories that I really enjoy in series seven than series six. I'm not saying either series is perfect because I don't think they are. Um. And we'll maybe talk more about like our full series rankings a bit later, but yeah, I, I've I've never understood this this criticism that series seven is basically dreadful except for the day of the Doctor, it, you know, and and that's being uncharitable. I know people don't actually say that generally, but there is this general pervading opinion that series seven is a step down from series six, and I just don't see it. Series six to me is like a. They're both messy, okay? They're both messy series, but in like isolated stories, there's more that I enjoy in, in I enjoy in series seven than series six. Now, whilst we're just mentioning our bestest podcast friends, Married to Who, yeah, yeah, I, I was thinking about this in the week, okay? So we we've been in contact over the last month or so. Mm-hmm. They've said some nice things about us. We've said some nice things about them. We have indeed, okay. So it's it's like the early stages of a relationship, isn't it? You know, we're making a, we're making eyes at each other from across the room. Okay, so okay. I, I I think it's time we take our relationship to the next step. Okay, no. so, you asking married to who out on a date? I am actually because uh, <laughs> next year I'm actually travelling across the states with my wife. Are you? So if you're listening to this, married to who? Um, do you, do you want to go out for a pizza? I'll I'll pay. I'll just take you all out for pizza. 
Now, I don't know where in America you live, but if it's New York, Chicago, Washington, Phoenix, Arizona, Grand Rapids City, or San Diego, uh, I'll pay. I'll take you all out for pizza. Wow. That's an amazing offer. I hope this happens. Yeah, I'm very invested that. in this now. That'll be like the Avengers Infinity War of Doctor Who podcasts. <laughs> Everyone come together and we'll just go for a pizza. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. You, you might not like pizza, but... I, you know. Surely all Americans like pizza. Well, that that's borderline racist, David. <laughs> Because Uh, I've been listening. This is how I think it's safe to avoid spoilers. mm -hmm. I've been listening to where they're doing classic Doctor Who reviews because then it can't spoil anything from the future for me. And I don't really care about classic Who. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've listened to a couple more, actually, since uh, since we last spoke about them. Um, I've uh, been... Still on series one, but I, I listened to their um, episodes on uh, Dalek and the uh, long game. So, yeah, it's good See, stuff. On, on their it's, episode this week, they said, uh, they even mentioned about you listening to their old episodes. And how, <laughs> you know, just be kind. Just be kind. Oh, I, I definitely, definitely. In the same I, way, I we're not the... proud of our early recordings. I'm not proud of our current ones. This uh, This episode... When recording right now, as as far as I'm concerned, it, it baffles me that anyone wants to listen to this. Yet yeah, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So hopefully, nice little highlight of my holiday next year. Oh, I, I'm really. I should have been there now. this summer, but obviously, I'm not. Well, you know these these things happen. Yeah. And my wife says it's only fifty fifty that we'll be there, but. I think if you Fingers want crossed. something enough, you can wish it into existence. So, mm. I really wish that next year me and Jake go for pizza. <laughs> Just me and Jake, because oh. although I've offered it to everyone, I'm not made of money. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and if the others want to come, they have to bring their dogs. I was looking on their website, and they've all got beautiful dogs. Ah. Uh. Anyway, that's uh, enough for that. It is, it is, it is. Um... One thing that I need to address, because um, it's it's been a long time coming, this. I believe it was our Series 4 wrap-up that you entrusted me with a Doctor Who game for the Nintendo DS. Is this Evacuation Earth? Evacuation Earth. Um, and I thought it would be funny to actually attempt to complete that game. Okay. I really wanted to complete it so I could like analyze the story in depth and uh, and, and all the rest of it. Um, I couldn't do it, man. Is it too hard? It's not that it's too hard. It's just excruciatingly bad. Well, it's such a terrible game. Can I tell you just how bad it is? Go on. So, the structure of it, right? Is have you ever played any of the uh, Professor Layton I, games? I, I have, and I've played about half an hour of evacuation earth to make sure it worked yeah i think i managed about three hours total on it uh-huh. so I, I did commit i really tried but it it's like professor layton only with like a, a, a vague doctor who skin over it the characters don't really talk or interact like actual like, like they're actual characters half the time mm-hmm. um 
the puzzles are so repetitive. Whereas uh, Professor Layton has, you know, a huge variety of different types of puzzles. This has about five. I, I, I vividly remember the puzzle I did when I played it. Yeah. It was like, oh no, the sonic screwdriver's broken. Put it back together. And it was yeah. in three pieces. <laughs> like yeah. a top, a middle and a bottom. Yeah. It's, it kind of, it does, yeah, the, 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 the challenge level is, is not high. And, and it's basic, basically that over and over again. It's like little jigsaw puzzles, ones where you've got to like guide a little glowing ball through a maze mm-hmm. without it touching the sides. Um, the, the one that rankles me the most is there's a lot, there's a lot of lock picking in it. So basically, you'll keep encountering like little chests and things that are locked that you need to unlock in order to progress but the story. That's what the Sonic's for. Exactly! But they don't use the Sonic screwdriver for it. Instead, you've got this whole separate minigame that it keeps throwing at you, which is apparently like a lockpicking thing. You've actually got like a separate lockpick item that you have to use to do these puzzles. And I'm just like, they're, they're, it's such a surface level understanding of Doctor Who that they've not even thought, well, let's make it a Sonic screwdriver themed game to unlock the the locked chest. It, it is so bad. Right. It is well, just so, so bad. I've got the Wikipedia I couldn't it. Um, so, based on six reviews, its aggregate score on game rankings is 56.8%. Yep. Is that Far too, too generous? Far too generous. Um, in fact, I don't understand why anyone would give it a positive review. Let me just see. I'll be able to tell you what the highest score was if I just yeah. go to Metacritic. Oh no! When you click the link, it just goes to like nowhere. Yeah, I I think it's safe to say it's not a fondly remembered game. Uh, so, video game talk show, Good Games, two presenters gave the game a score of three out of ten and two out of ten. Mm. Saying yeah, that seems it makes fair. the fatal mistake of ignoring pretty much everything that makes Doctor Who great. I would agree with that. They also claim the developers just grabbed a puzzle game off the shelf, but not a very good one, scribbled out the title and stuck a Doctor Who sticker in its place. I would also agree with that. Okay, now, yeah. official Nintendo magazine scored it a 69%. What are you playing out, official Nintendo magazine? They said it's funny. Nope. It's lengthy. I, I I would agree with that assessment. Now, when it <laughs> says it's funny and lengthy, so is a giant inflatable cock. So which would you have had more fun with? <laughs> oh, definitely the giant inflatable cock. It says... Hours it, of fun with it that. It'll test your logic skills. <laughs> but any Doctor Who really fans won't. of secondary age or older are more likely to feel left out because this clearly wasn't meant for you. I don't think it was meant for human beings, Matt. Mm. I don't know that anyone could derive actual pleasure from this game. Have, have you still got your Nintendo Wii? Uh, no, I flogged it recently. Oh. Not for very much. I might see if I can get a cheap one so we can play Doctor Who Return to Earth. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Isn't that the same? I think that might be the same developer. Really? Yeah. I, I will go on record as saying... There has never been a good Doctor Who video game, and there never will be. Really? I don't think, as a property, it translates well 
into games. I, I could see it as a, like a Monkey Island style point and click adventure. I could. I think that's the closest you're going to get to a good game, but nobody makes good point and clicks these days, really, mm. because it's such a niche genre. You know Doctor Who Top Trumps on PlayStation 2 that we played? Yeah. I stuck that in the prize packet for the uh, poetry competition, just to get it out of my house. Wow. <laughs> I mean, wasn't that pretty much the the, the the metric by which you chose all of the prizes for um, I, that competition? Well, yeah, so I sent all the <laughs> old Doctor Who annuals that we'd used. Um, I sent a random book about ghosts that I found in my mm. house. Yeah. I sent a copy of Stephen Hawking's uh, Brief History of Time. Nice. Uh, I did send a Warhammer figure that I'd painted. Very nice. Uh, That's I, something to treasure. Basically, I just had a real clear out and just posted it to Frank. <laughs> Guess how much it cost me in postage? Uh, I dread to think. Eight pounds. Wow. That's yeah. dedication for you. Yeah. Would have been a lot cheaper to just uh, pop down the tip. Yeah. It's now a good time to look at the running order because we're getting way, way off. We are. We yeah, are. It's me um... flirting with Americans and talking about putting my <laughs> bins out. We don't. We don't have a lot left. I think. Do we? Do you want to do series rankings? Do you care enough? Do you? Are you enjoying doing those? We do them every. Uh, yeah. Every series wrap up, and I feel like it's it's the low point of every wrap up we do. Um, I sort of forget series by series. Yeah. Why don't we instead? You rank your episodes from this series. Yeah. What happy was good? To do what that. was bad? Okay. So. By my calculation, I'm not including bonus episodes, but I am in- including like the Christmas specials and the Day of the Doctor. So by my calculation, that's 16 episodes in total. So I'll rattle through these fairly quickly, but I'm going to start right at the bottom, work my way up to the top. So right, languishing right at the bottom, journey to the centre of the TARDIS. 100%. Totally. Almost agree. no redeeming features. Yeah. Like, basically, some of the set design is good. Yeah. Didn't That's about that. all I can say. Uh, number 15, Nightmare in Silver. Yeah. Rubbish. Crap. Yeah. I. Th- there are flashes of humour in there. Um, Matt Smith, you know, works his socks off, but it, it ultimately, it, it doesn't land. 14, this is probably one of the more controversial ones. Uh, f- number 14, I'm putting Angels Take Manhattan. See, that's one of those episodes that I don't like, but the final five, ten minutes make it a lot better. Yeah, and in actually, fact, even when that, I say I don't... that, I think I'm thinking of the bonus episode where yeah, their son I... comes. Yeah, you see, I'm not including that because technically it's never filmed. It's yeah. you know, it's part of my headcanon, but it's not really... I don't think you can class it as part of that story. Mm. So, not at th- place 13 for me, uh, The Rings of Akaten. Yeah, rubbish, I know except lots of, for that speech. Yeah, well, even that speech, you know, it's... I know why people love it, but it doesn't really land for me to that extent. Um, at number 12, I've got Bells of St. John. I'd have maybe had that a bit higher. I don't know. I find it just a bit... None of it sticks for me. Oh, no. It's the shard one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no. I, I like the opening, where it's like... The mystery of St. John, but it's St. John's ambulance. But yeah, actually, the yeah. rest of that's a bit naff. Yeah, it's it's a bit... It's 
it rushes along at quite a pace, but nothing really kind of... It happens so rapidly that I feel like it it doesn't really succeed as a story, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's more just like, you know, just a, a, a sequence of things that are happening. Um, so number 11 for me, Name of the Doctor. Yeah, again, so, like the last five minutes are so much better than everything else. Yeah, it kind of eclipses the rest of it. And when you actually really stop and think about most of the episode, it's, it's a lot of just people talking in rooms. Yeah. There's not much kind of action or excitement to it. Um, so number 10 for me. And this is kind of, we've got a bit of a cluster here, really, of like Stephen Moffat's like big episodes, like his, you know, the series finales and the, the, the departures and arrivals of new companions and people like that. But it's kind of, these are the ones where he kind of misses the mark a lot for me. So number 10, I've got uh, The Time of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Like I say, there's, you know, we talked about it quite recently. I like big chunks of it and I quite dislike big chunks of it as well. Uh, ultimately, it leaves me with a smile on my face. But handles is not, good. Handles is great. Matt Smith's great in it. I like the resolution. I like that Moffat addresses the regeneration cycle thing and sort of just pulls something out of his ass so that people can stop worrying about that. Um, there's some there's some really great writing in there, but but it's a bit. Kind of like everything in the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. Number nine, going all the way back to start of series seven, 400 years ago, <laughs> Asylum of the Daleks. It, it seems like forever ago. It does, doesn't it? Basically, check. when did we release that episode? You keep talking. Oh, God. That I feels d- like the start of lockdown. It, it was quite near the start, I think, for us. Like I say, this has basically been our lockdown season. Mm um so asylum for the dark of the daleks for me i like most of it i just don't like the divorce subplot with amy uh-huh. and rory that comes out of nowhere yeah that's and then it's hastily resolved i just i would rather they rethought that because i feel like either either you do like a whole series about the fractures uh, the fra- fractures in uh amy and rory's relationship and you make that a thing mm-hmm. or you don't do it at all what you don't do is uh show it and then resolve it in the space of one episode whilst also having a lot of dalek nonsense and introducing a new mystery companion and everything else that, that episode does it's like it's it's just a bit overstuffed um episode eight uh sorry eight, uh, sorry in uh placed eight for me we're now getting into the realm of i would say asylum of the daleks is where we start to get getting into the realm of Episodes that I mostly like, so, I just have some issues our, with. Our episode about episode, uh, Asylum of the Daleks was the 23rd of May. Yeah. It seems forever That's, ago. That does it's feel basically like October now. Yeah, yeah. Crikey. Um, so, episode um, in eighth place for me, Power of Three. Great story up until the last five minutes where it all kind of falls apart, but it's, you know, it's nobody's fault other than Stephen Burkoff. Yeah. So, fuck Stephen Burkoff, basically. Plus, is it... Oh, no, I was going to say, it's dinosaurs on a spaceship that introduces Brian. I quite like Brian yes. in this series. He's and that's my that's my next pick. Mm. 
I really like dinosaurs on a spaceship, uh, mostly for Brian, but also I like the premise. I think it's well executed. Um, yeah, good times. Uh, number six for me, Cold War. Ice Warriors on a Russian submarine. Great premise. Love it. Yeah, I, I don't think that was well. a bad episode. I also think it's probably Jenna Coleman's best performance of this that we've seen so far. Yeah, I think she, maybe. she, she does the, the scenes where she's like, where she's going to negotiate. She's got the headphones on, and like you can see the fear. Plus, as, as a pretty self-contained story, it's one of the yeah. few episodes with Clara that has like a definitive beginning, middle, and end. Yep. Yeah, and I like I feel it's the first episode where her character really starts to come into focus. Um uh number 5 for me is a uh, town called Mercy. That'd be much further down for me. I I just didn't get on with that. Yeah. No, I I stand by it. Really love that episode. I think it's underrated. No real criticisms of it. Mm-hmm. Uh number 4, The Crimson Horror. Yeah, it was pretty good, but it's just a fucking laugh, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Like, it it just seems to be like the most Doctor Who story, if you know what I mean. They, well, they, they see, go somewhere. Think... It's a bit weird. There's a little monster. Everything yeah. ends well. Whereas I think a lot of these episodes try and do stuff differently. It's the most yeah. formulaic, and it yeah, works. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what I think. That's why I don't get why people criticize Mark Gatiss. You need to have those formulaic episodes, and whilst he does them formulaic, he's always he's always got like a flavor that he's going for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like he's 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 going for something very specific. So like Cold War, it's sort of like Doctor Who meets Hunt for Red October, or um, Crimson Horror. It's it's you know Doctor Who meets uh, Hammer horror films. There's always a, a vibe that he's going for with his stories, and generally speaking, he nails them. Um, so, number three for me, The Snowmen. My favourite Christmas special of all the ones we've seen so far. See, it's it's good in the sense of, like, I really like the Paternoster gang. They're so funny, isn't it? It's, I, think it's, I think it's Moffat's funniest script. We've seen today. Number two for me, Hyde. Yeah. One of my favourites this series. Yeah. And again, so underrated. People just don't talk about Hyde enough. Yeah. Great story. Yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I like the premise. I like the weird sort of old-fashioned X-Files. Yeah, it's got a real atmosphere to it. And and a beautiful resolution that it's like, you know, it's a love story. Hmm. Which feels very Doctor Who-y. Ah, it's lovely. And then right at the top, inevitably, Day of the Doctor. I mean, what can you say? Yeah. It's Like, like just... I say, I, I liked it. I I know that people don't agree with me, but I, I was expecting more. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I think you, I think you, it's easy to build it up. And, and like, we definitely built it up. Yeah. Because we made it our hundredth episode and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, And it does have this reputation within the fandom. Like, I think the most recent Doctor Who magazine poll, it was in first place. It's not my favourite episode of Doctor Who ever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably, 
maybe top five. I don't know. I've never. Uh, I I I I I rank things in the moment, then I immediately forget about them, and and so I I don't know where See, I would have put it. I, last I preferred time. the twin dilemma. Let's just get those emails rolling in. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So that there you go. That gives that gives you some idea of. Generally speaking, I'd say everything in that list, from uh, probably time of the Doctor onwards, maybe name of the Doctor onwards. I'd say I I like. Hmm. I, I think we are either good to great. See one one question about series seven that's just come to me. Yeah, uh, and I, I suppose I probably should have asked it earlier. Yeah. Um, what did you have for lunch today? <laughs> just had, uh, just had. Uh, what did I have? I've, I'm blanking on it now. Oh, can you guess? Cheese sandwich. No, I had cheese and biscuits. Oh, nice. <laughs> I had some marmite on toast. Wow. Did you have a uh, Did you have a late breakfast? Uh, well, yeah, was that my your parents breakfast? are coming over for dinner, so ah, uh, right. Just had a little snack. Fair enough. Uh, well, so I think we're kind of kind of winding down, really. We're, there's there's yeah. nothing else we need to address. Is you know there? what we've got to do, though, don't you? What? Well, I, I don't really want to mention it, <laughs> but we kind of promised. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember. Okay. So, from episode 100, here are the Robot Wars questions we didn't (laughs) answer then. (laughs) Let's get these over and done with. Right. So, what's this one is from listener Kimberly. What's your favourite house robot? Matilda. Dead metal. Done. Right, moving on. Moving on. This one is from Whovian. Top three robots. Um, what competitors? Yeah. Okay. Number three, Hypnodisc. Hypnodisc no- makes my top three. Yeah. Number two, Wheelie Big Cheese. Mentioned it on the hundredth episode. Underrated robot. Uh, see, my number two was Chaos slash Chaos Two. Okay, oh, understandable. Like the King of the Flippers for sure, but not my personal favourite flipper. I love just the 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 sheer size of Wheelie Big Cheese. Yeah. It's just a ridiculous robot. Uh, and number one, Razor. Razor makes it my number one as well. Yeah. Because you can't, one of the like, questions that follows up from Whovian yeah. is, what is your favourite battle? And if you say anything other than Razor versus Firestorm, then you're, you just yeah. need to educate yourself. Okay, I, under- I understand. It's, it's an amazing battle. Um, I will say I've got my most vividly remembered battle was a Hypnodisc's debut. I forget the name of the robot, but it was like, it was, it had a sort of dinosaur design. Okay. And it was quite thin aluminium sheeting uh, in, in a sort of like dome shape. It was like, it was clear once we realised it, it like, I mean, whilst Hypnodisc was an unknown quantity at that point, once you saw that thing spinning up, it was like, you saw where it was heading. But the way it tore into that robot was just magnificent television. That's kind of like just burned into my retinas. Never forget it. Have you watched any of the uh, modern series? Uh, I watched the, the, every the episode. Yeah. 
So, because uh, I, I was going to say, I was kind of sticking to classic, but like, where would, would like Carbide be on your lists anywhere? I don't know. I like the rustic charm of not being very good robots. Yeah. But you've got to admit, Carbide is a fearsome beast of a robot. Mm. See, I'm just looking now, because I had a... One Christmas, my mum bought me and my brothers. They were made by Tommy, and they were... All oh, the little... Toys. The little fighting robots, yeah. the remote control ones, them. because they had like a that. panel on the side that when mm. you click, when you hit it, it caused the robot to like flip and lose. Yeah. Uh, but there don't seem to be any on eBay, and I can't remember what shame. they're called. Uh, um, any more questions? Is that is that it? Uh, that's pretty much it. Unless you wanted to revisit who would win in a fight between a Dalek and the house robots. I think we answered that one fairly definitively. Yeah, we spent more time talking about that than Doctor Who. I think we probably did in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that that about does it for our Series 7 wrap-up. Yeah. Um, the, the Capaldi era is almost upon us. Yeah. But before we get there... As we mentioned at the top of the show, we will be uh, dipping our toes back into the world of the uh, first Doctor with a little story called The Tenth Planet. Yep. But until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.